0: Good morning. You can have a seat. It's so a couple of things before I begin. First of all, you notice that Walter read the gospel. He was a postulant for about four minutes. I said that you were a postulant, Walter. You're only a postulant between the time that you pass your exams and the bishop says you're ready for ordination. That lasted about three hours, okay? So you were a postulant for about three hours, But now Walter is an ordinand, meaning his ordination day is set for the first Sunday in May. The bishop will be here, and Walter will be ordained as a full-time deacon, and we are glad about that. we are glad. And secondly, today um, is our annual meeting day, and so I do a couple of things during this talk. I want to talk a little bit about this amazing passage of Scripture that Walter read, and I want to talk a little bit about the vision moving forward for Church of the Apostles and how it relates to this passage of Scripture, because it specifically relates to this passage of Scripture. So for those of you who are visiting, and I'm happy to say there are several people visiting, I am going to be talking for a little bit longer than usual. I would like to say, lucky you. You're welcome. Uh, You're welcome. That's nice. Uh, The statement that Jesus makes, you are the salt of the earth, you are the light of the world, is a remarkable statement in a couple of ways. It's remarkable. We heard so much that it loses some of its remarkableness. First, Jesus is giving us, his disciples, a new identity in that moment. He names us as the salt and light. Now, you may have heard Noah verses and have, are recalling right now where the gospel writers have written that Jesus is the light of the world. That's true. He is. He's also the salt of the earth, the Old Testament tells us. That the Messiah is both of those things. And so when he says to us in that moment, you are now the light of the world, And the salt of the earth. He is giving us an identity, but it's not just any identity. It is an identity that is rooted in Him. I'm salt and light. You're my disciples. Now you're salt and light. It's a new name, it's a new identity, it's a new commission. He's conferring the responsibility of carrying his character and his words and his teachings and his life and his death and his resurrection to the people around us. You're the salt and light of the earth and world. That's pretty cool. You don't sound like it's so cool, but it is really cool that that is true about us. It's a remarkable statement. And then I just want to say that the you's and you are the salt and you are the, the light, they are double emphatics in the Greek. So it should be translated like this. You, you, really, that's how it should be written. You, go ahead, write capital letters in your Bible. Go ahead. You, you are the salt of the earth. You, you are the light of the world. It is as Jesus is saying, it is you, and there is no backup plan. It's you. Good thing that he gave us a new identity, because if he leads with you and just stops there, the job is too big. It'd blow us out of the water. But he gave us a new identity. And we remember from last week that that identity, part of it is that we are lucky, fortunate, blessed people to be called his children. I love how Eugene Peterson says this. It's like Jesus is saying, you alone are the seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors of this world. Man, I love that. You, you bring out the God flavors. You, you bring out the God colors. But Jesus, what if we can't do that? No, you're going to do it. You, you. But Jesus, what's plan B? No, 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 no. You, you. What if I don't feel like bringing out the God flavors? You. You. And lastly, there are no more important elements than salt and sunshine, to quote one commentator. There are no more important elements to life, especially in the ancient world, than salt and sunshine. No more important elements. They are the top two to have life. You needed them. And so by using these two analogies of salt and light, Jesus is calling us to a pervasive and powerful and present life. I'm going to say those things again. Pervasive and powerful and present. Aren't they nice that they all rhyme with peas? For you who are taking notes, I've done it for you. Salt and light are pervasive, powerful, and present. First of all, pervasive. Salt and light are the two essential commodities of the ancient world, and they are not just used a little, they are used a lot. They are ubiquitous and all-encompassing and inescapable. They are used for everything. They are used for everything from temple sacrifice to cleanse that sacrifice. They are used to cleanse garments. Salt is used to cleanse garments. Salt is used to preserve food. And on and on it goes. Salt is used formally in ceremonies of great worship and religion. And every day to make your food taste better. It's everywhere in the ancient world. And when he says you're the salt of the earth, the picture on all of our minds are we are to be everywhere. We're pervasive. There's not a thing that escapes this saltiness. It's all over the place. When using salt to preserve meat, for example, you wouldn't just sprinkle a little salt on a little part of the meat and hope for the best. If you do that, you should not cook very much, okay? You should not do that. Salt has to go all the way over the meat to preserve it. You wouldn't just throw a little bit of salt on an icy sidewalk and hope that the rest of the sidewalk would somehow become warm enough for the ice to melt. People would be falling all over the place. You have to put salt all the way down to make sure the pathway is safe. And Jesus goes further. Light is described by two images here to highlight its pervasiveness. Jesus is using two analogies, two images to highlight the pervasiveness of light. First, a city on a hill that we, that you, you, the light of the world, are the beacon for humanity to come and find the flavor and colors of God. And your lamp's in the home. Notice that Jesus doesn't just put a city on a hill for a pilgrimage. He brings light to the house for everyday life. Put it in your home and in your workplace and in your school and in your neighborhoods and light the way for all to see Jesus. It's pervasive. It's everywhere. It's inescapable. It's powerful. In the analogy, Jesus is saying that salt and life are so powerful that the only way these elements can lose their particular and pervasive effectiveness is if they are not used at all. And in salt's case, if they're not used fast enough. So, can I just say, like, when you read commentators, there's like 19 things you could. Just, I'm I'm serious. I've counted 19 different things that people have said that Jesus mean by this salt, and this this seemingly really complicated phrase about when it loses its saltiness. Let me just say this: He's not talking about Morton's table salt, that's been refined. That's not what he's talking about. And he's not talking about salt that can be purchased from a trader that is for the that is for the uber 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 rich in the ancient world there are very few people that can afford processed salt he is most likely talking about the salt that is washed up on the shore in powdery form around the dead sea which people would go scrape sift and use for this kind of pervasiveness that we're talking about this is where the power is well this is not refined this is not refined salt. And so if it's not used pretty much immediately and regularly, it loses its flavor. The saltiness goes away. It just leaves it. There's other elements in it that takes away its, its pervasive nature, its power. You gotta use it or you lose it, is what Jesus is saying. The only thing it's good for, you're gonna go, oh, and throw it away. That's what, that is what this analogy is. It's not a science lesson, by the way. It's not a science lesson. Actually, one of my common... Terry's actually had a periodic table in it, which was interesting. It's not a science letter. It's not. He's simply saying, look, if you don't use it, it's going to lose its power. And then he says, the only way light's not powerful, the only way it's not powerful is if you hide it, is if you put it out, or if you fail to put it up, right? You you know, light's not powerful either. He's saying, if it's not on a lamp stand, let's put it on a stand so it shines out. So, the only way that salt and life lose their power is if it's not used properly and immediately or self stifled. The elements themselves are powerful. And so, Jesus is giving us not only some encouragement about who we are, but he's encouraging us to actually live into the identity that he has given us. And that we should do it in power, and we should do it regularly. When salt is used regularly, it keeps the food from spoiling. It cleans things. It makes things taste better. It purifies. I love this verse in Colossians 4, 6. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. That's powerful, isn't it? James tells us how powerful negative words are. Paul tells us how powerful positive words are. It's like seasoning, it's like peace, seasoned with salt. And light is so powerful that it vanquishes darkness. John 1.5, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness is not overcoming. Who else can whisper and darkness trembles? Who else can outshine the sun? Only a holy God. It's powerful, it's pervasive, and it is present. And it's present in two ways. These things are, I'm telling you, these things are everywhere in our world and in the ancient world, everywhere, salt and light. They're everywhere. And when Jesus says, you, you, he is being emphatic that it's you. But remember, just like the rest of the Sermon on the Mount, the you is not singular. Now, I've been saying this for a long time. Many, many weeks, I've been telling you. The U's in the Bible are, for the most part, not singular. They are plural. God and Christ are talking to us, a group of people. Now, that does not take us away from our responsibility to do the work of light and salt. I'm not saying that. But listen, just like a grain of salt is pretty worthless, I mean, you can't even really find a grain of salt, right, in your kitchen after you cook. I mean, you wipe it up and you throw it in the sink. One little grain of salt, what does that do? It doesn't preserve anything. It doesn't change the flavor of anything. It doesn't bring out the God flavors of anything. One grain of salt doesn't do that. And listen, one little lamp does not a city on a hill make. It just doesn't. A line of streetlights, however, can be seen from a mile down the road. And salt used right makes everything taste better. These are plural statements. We are the salt and light of the earth and world. Together we do this. Jesus never intended these two elements to be thought of as merely personal. He intended that we would all be present with one another and his church so that we could walk together in unity in the identity that he has given us. Can I get an amen by this? Amen. Together we walk in the unity of his identity that he has given to us. We are salt and light. I cannot be salt by myself. You cannot be light by yourself. But I would be thrilled to be light and salt with you. And I am thrilled to be light and salt with you. Yeah, but Brian the church is rough, man. I don't I don't love the church. Yep. What's plan B? You you There's no plan B. Jesus intends for us to walk together. And this is important that we're present to one another. It is super important. Because what has tended to happen to the church and to the commu- and to community of believers, it, is, it has become very individualistic in our time. We have fooled ourselves into believing that we could be salt and light with just me or just my family. Eh. Not right. Survey says not on the board. You are not the greatest Jeopardy player of all time. <laughs> It is together that we walk. And when we choose not to do that, the church falls apart in, in, a, in a word that my friend Frank has taught me into an adhocracy of separate salt and light where I do what I want to do because I want to do it and I like my vision better than your vision, Jesus. Can't do this alone. Our identity is together in Christ. We walk together. So we're present with one another, and that's not enough. We are also present with the world. I mean, that's what Jesus is saying, right? How do you bring out the God flavors on earth if you're not, you know, on earth? How are you the light of the world if you know you're not, you know, in the world? You can't do it. Now, some people start to shift in their seats when I say this. I don't see anyone shifting. Good. Good for you. (laughs) Well, Brian, if we're part of the world, then we're going to fall into sin. If you fall into sin because you go share the salt and light with the world, your faith has something wrong with it. Sorry. That's why we walk together. You're safe together. We're safe together. You're going to be okay together. You can sit together and you can talk to your friends and your neighbors and your class workers and your coworkers and you can share the love of Christ with them and they will push back and ask questions and you come back to your friends and say, what do I say about that? And then they tell you and you go back and you do it again because together we're safe because salt and light together is power. And so we're present with those who need salt and light. We must be present with those who are in desperate need of salt and light. We must be present with those who are in desperate need of salt and light. There is no other way to do this because salt and light is pervasive.